Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, October 4th. Today on the show, Nashville SC survives, sort of, its trip to New York. The Vanderbilt Commodores survive their battle with UConn. The Tennessee Volunteers played better football than we've seen in half a decade. But we begin with one of the most disappointing showings a Mike Vrabel coach Titans team has ever put onto the field. The Kingston Group is the name you need to know. BuildKG.com is the website you need to know because if you live in a home, you probably should be thinking about what the next steps are, what the next big decisions are for that home. How can you maximize your home's value and also create an environment that you love, that you are happy in? And this is what the Kingston Group does, but they don't do it right away. It doesn't happen overnight. You need to plan it, you need to think it through, and you need to have all of the information on the front end, which is where the Kingston Group comes in. It's why they are award-winning, and it's why they've been successful in Nashville for over a decade. You don't just do that by accident. It happens because you have a thoughtful and established process. Trust the process, as Sabin would say. The Kingston Group. It was one of the worst-played, ugliest, most pathetic, and longest football games I have ever seen. The Titans did everything possible to help one of the worst teams in the NFL to their first win of the season. And that's about the only thing that they succeeded at all day, giving the Jets a W. The Titans lost 27-24 in overtime to the previously winless Jets on Sunday in one of the worst displays of professional football that I've ever seen. Penalties, sacks, no adjustments, bad snaps, questionable play calls, shanked punts, terrible red zone offense, dropped passes, injuries, errant throws, and of course a missed field goal to cap the whole thing off with a chance to end the game in a tie, which frankly is all the Titans deserved. No, the Titans tried every conceivable way to stop themselves on Sunday, and they succeeded. It was the worst game a Mike Vrabel coach team has likely ever played. I know the Titans were shorthanded, missing a lot of star power on both sides of the ball, but that's no excuse. The Jets had scored 20 total points in three games this season, and they scored 27 on the supposedly improved Titans defense. They made Zach Wilson look like Brett Favre, improvising and scrambling around and making big plays in what was easily the best game of his career. Outside of Derrick Henry, who rushed for 157 yards on 33 carries, very few players can walk away from that game feeling anything but concerned. The offensive line allowed seven sacks, five of which came on third down. Receivers didn't get open. Todd Downing once again failed to make adjustments until way too late in the game. Special teams were bad, and as I already mentioned, the defense couldn't stop a rookie quarterback who turned the ball over seven times in three games. Tennessee lost for just the third time in 26 games in which Henry topped 100 yards. Ryan Tannehill didn't have much time to throw, didn't have his top two wideouts, and once again didn't play a particularly good game. But he once again figured out a way to give his team a chance, leading the game-tying drive to end regulation and what would have been another game-tying drive in overtime. There isn't just one thing that you can point to that was the problem. This team started hot driving into the red zone on the first three possessions they had and had a 17-10 fourth quarter lead and couldn't get a stop. So they choked. However, finishing drives to me was almost as big of an issue as the pass protection. Eight times this team moved inside the Jets' 40-yard line and scored only two touchdowns. And if they had finished any of those first three drives with sixes instead of threes, I have a feeling this game ends in a very different way. Had they forced Wilson to play from behind for the majority of the game, they never would have lost. The bigger problem than just one loss is that these issues are not new. They needed a miraculous performance from Derrick Henry to make a miraculous fourth quarter comeback against Seattle in overtime. They tried to give the game to the Colts last week with self-inflicted mistakes and needed two fourth quarter drives from Tannehill to win that game against a shorthanded Colts team at home and of course got boat raced by Arizona in week one. 
Now all of the underlying issues came home to roost in the form of one giant slap to the face, one jolt to the system, a win by one of the worst teams in the NFL over a Titans team that is playing extremely sloppy football. Let's just hope that that jolt to the system is the thing that wakes this team up, because if they keep playing this brand of football, you can kiss any prayer of a deep playoff run goodbye, and the race for the AFC South is going to be far more interesting than anyone imagined just last week. Tennessee fans finally got to see a Josh Heupel offense in all of its glory, and it could not have happened at a better time. It was the best quarter of football that I can remember seeing Tennessee put together maybe ever. The Vols gained 225 yards and scored four touchdowns on 14 snaps in the first quarter on Saturday and led 28-3 after 15 minutes against Missouri. The game was all but over. Tennessee scored touchdowns on their first six possessions and scored points on all but one drive the entire game, beating Missouri 62-24 in a win that might allow the Vols to get to bowl eligibility in Heupel's first season. Hendon Hooker was the starting quarterback and ran the offense beautifully to perfection. The last time the Vols produced these types of numbers, 62 points and 8.8 yards per play. You got to go all the way back to a win over, ironically, Missouri in November of 2016. And the last time the Vols rolled up 683 yards of offense, well, you've got to go back to that infamous Texas A&M overtime game, also in 2016, when my almost five-year-old wasn't born yet and Obama was president. And Tennessee did it the exact way I wanted to see them do it, by running the football right at the Tigers' atrocious rushing defense that is ranked dead last out of 130 college football teams. Josh Heupel and the Vols did not overthink it. They ran 59 times for 458 yards and five touchdowns. Watching that performance had to be cathartic for Big Orange Nation, and it cannot be overstated how important the win was. With Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, and Ole Miss still looming, beating Mizzou was almost a must-win if this team wanted to go bowling in Heupel's first season. Now the path to the postseason is a whole lot more clear. Beat Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and South Alabama, and Heupel's first season will be dubbed a success. It was yet another wild weekend of college football. Nine ranked teams lost, including Arkansas, Ole Miss, Florida, and Texas A&M in the SEC. But even in the middle of an insane season where now through five weeks, 34 top 25 teams have lost a record, two continue to cruise right along in dominant fashion. Alabama ate all of Lane Kiffin's popcorn in a 42-21 blowout of the Rebels, moving Nick Saban to 24-0 all-time against his assistants. How good the defense played is what really should be concerning for everyone else in America. And Georgia embarrassed Arkansas 37 to nothing from the first snap and did it with their backup quarterback. After a blocked punt was recovered for a touchdown, the Dogs' defense and special teams has now scored 23 points this season. They have allowed a grand total of 16. Their defense is outscoring their opponents right now. College football is at its best when chaos reigns supreme and we get to expect the unexpected, which has absolutely been true through the first five weeks of the season across the country, not just in the SEC. However, Alabama and Georgia are not really playing along. They're not cooperating and they feel poised to meet in not only the SEC championship game, but also the national title game. Oh, Auburn won in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1999, Kentucky beat Florida at home for the first time since 1986, and Mississippi State beat a top 15 Texas A&M team on the road. You see how much fun chaos is? The Tide and Dogs just aren't cooperating. Vanderbilt sure tried really hard to give away a game against a really bad UConn team on Saturday night and cost me some money in the process, 
But alas, they figured out a way to win, and it might have been their last chance at victory. The Doors gave up a soul-crushing, bad news Bears-style 4th and 18 late in the game to allow UConn to take the lead with just over a minute left on the clock. But then Ken Seals made a few big throws, and UConn made a few of their own mistakes, allowing Vanderbilt to kick the game-winning field goal as time expired to give Clark Lee and his staff his second win of the season, and the victory snapped the eight-game home losing streak for Vanderbilt. With a brutal conference slate ahead, all SEC games left, it might have been the last chance Vanderbilt had for a win in 2021. And while my under 52 didn't hit and I lost a few bucks, it was nice to see Vanderbilt find a way to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. It wasn't pretty and it doesn't instill a ton of confidence should they meet in the MLS Cup playoffs, but Nashville SC did pitch a shutout and take a point away from New York City FC on the road on Sunday morning. New York FC is one of the better contenders in the Eastern Conference, and they made Nashville earn it. Joe Willis worked his tail off to post his league-leading 12th clean sheet, with New York getting plenty of good scoring chances and controlling most of the play. After two draws against two playoff sides in the Eastern Conference, Nashville will get 13 days off during the international break and will not play again until October 16th on the road against DC United. With just six matches left, only two at home, Nashville SC sits squarely in second place in the Eastern Conference. Did I mention earlier in the show that the 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group and that this is the only name you need to know when considering doing some big work or some big renovations or a custom build on your home? It's because it's the only name you need to know. BuildKG.com is the website. They are locally owned, award-winning, and you can trust their process for a reason because they've been successful in this market taking care of their clients. BuildKG.com is the website. The Kingston Group is the name. I hope you guys took all of my advice last week. I went 6-2 on the podcast, 7-2 on the Twitter pick, so maybe I'm bouncing back. That's two back-to-back weeks. Probably getting a little too big for my britches already. Thank you guys all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter, of course, at Braden Gall. This has been the 444 Monday, October 4th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.